You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Robert Hoare. Hey, Robert. Hey, Holly. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Paul Hollywood from, from Great British Bake Off retweeted me this morning. So that's cool. Oh. That feels cool. Like I got a, <laughs> a handshake, you know? So yeah. That's amazing. I love that. That's so fun. Well, I'm really, really excited about our conversation that we're going to be having today. Um, so to our listeners, we have Rick Lee James, who is here with us. Um, Rick is a worship leader, a singer and songwriter, a speaker, author, and podcast host with over two decades of experience in ministry. He's also a graduate student at Loyola University, finishing up his clinical pastoral education as an intern hospital chaplain, and is in the midst of completing his residency. Over the years, Rick has used music to share the gospel in numerous venues, from the National Worship Leader Conference to the world-famous Ryman Auditorium. He hosts the podcast Voices in My Head, bringing a number of diverse guests who have influenced his thinking. Um, and welcome to the neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers tribute podcast. He also curates the popular Twitter account, Mr. Rogers Says, or Mr. Rogers Say, where he daily posts quotes from Fred Rogers. And this is how I actually first connected with him. But there's a lot more that Rick does. And we are just so, so excited to have him on the show so, Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thanks, Holly. And Robert, go, great to be with you for a visit today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah glad yeah, to have we're you. We're so, so excited to have you here with us. Is there anything that um, we missed in that fancy bio? Uh, n- no, I, I just, uh, I, I appreciate it. That guy sounds pretty impressive, the, who you just introduced <laughs> there. So I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I do too many things sometimes. And it, it actually, sometimes it feels like I should just uh, pare the bio down and just say, hey, I'm, I'm just a guy that does and lots it, of stuff. <laughs> no, I, I totally so. hear you and I understand. And, um, you know, and I am grateful. Like I, I hear you on the discernment of doing lots and lots of things. And um, as we're going to talk about in this episode, so much of what you do has, is such a gift to so many of us. So I really am excited for our listeners to get to meet you and hear more about mm-hmm. the good work that you do. So, yeah. Wow. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, as I was thinking about today's conversation, again, I realized there's just so many directions that we could go into um, based on, you know, clearly as folks are hearing the, the good work that you do and the many ways that you serve. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had first connected with you on that Twitter mm-hmm. account the, with the Mr. Roger quotes. Yeah. And, you know, the more that I dug into what you do, I just see that you have offered so mm. much. So I would love to start, if, if it's okay, just to start with you sharing a bit about your backstory, and just what has inspired you to do the work that you do. And you can talk about any of the different things or 
just the general of, of the backstory, whatever you feel like. Yeah. Sharing. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for, for reaching out when you did uh, with your book, uh, the, the soul of the helper. I, I think especially now more than ever, because I am so busy with so many different things in my life, uh, w- whether it be graduate school or working as a chaplain or uh, leading music at my church, or I still occasionally travel and do concerts and things like that. It can be so busy and mm-hmm. your emphasis on, um, you know, people who are helpers who need to make sure that they don't run dry, uh, which is which is something that you know I, I'm still taking to heart and trying to learn that these resources are so important. So I, first, I just want to say thank you for reaching out because little did I know how much I was probably going to need your book, you know, <laughs> in the coming days with Aww. with new things that I felt like God was calling me into. Um, as far as oh, my thank you. oh, thank yeah, you, thank, thank you. you for for writing that. And as far as as my backstory, um, I have been. Uh, living in Springfield, Ohio for 21, going on 22 years, I guess now, um, where I have been uh, serving part-time as a, a minister of music in my church at Home Road Church of the Nazarene. So shout out to them real quick. Uh, mm. But I also, while I have been working there over the years, I, I was given permission by my church to pursue some more with music. And uh, that led to not only doing a lot of concerts and things like you had mentioned, playing at, you know, worship leader conferences around the country and different things, but um, started working as a a published songwriter through, uh, through publishers like Lifeway Worship and um, have done a number of independent projects and things over the years. So music was, was really the, the core of what I did for the longest time. And then the pandemic hit, and I, I don't know if you all heard of that, uh, but there was a there was a pandemic that happened. I mean, just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, just a teeny and, bit. And everything kind of just dried up, you know. When you're when you're traveling as a musician, and you know, my main income was was not from my part time at the church; it was from doing other mm. things, and so that all kind of really really dried up. Nobody was doing concerts. Nobody was having concerts, and. Um, it just it felt like a very dry season in the midst of that and kind of wondering, wow, what what do we do from here if we can't, you know, mm-hmm. keep making music? And it wasn't just me. It was a lot of people in the music industry that were really suffering as as many industries were. It was just a hard time yeah. um, somewhere through the middle of, of all that. Maybe it was because I had more time to listen. Unexpectedly, I started feeling a, a pull into chaplaincy. And I, I didn't know why. I didn't even know what it was. But I tried to be mm-hmm. obedient. I looked into different schools. I had a friend that, that teaches at Loyola University, David Dalt, who uh, helps me co-host the Welcome to the Neighborhood <laughs> Mr. Rogers podcast that we do. And I and I realized they had a chaplaincy program where he teaches uh-huh. there at Loyola. And I thought, oh, I may have to look into this. And I, I did. And I, I applied thinking they won't accept me. That'll be it. This is just the fumes on my cornflakes. It's not God talking. Um, and the next thing I knew, I got in and I was scared to death and had all kinds of anxieties about what to do next. Um, but God has been leading me on this uh, very, very difficult, but very, uh, not only is it challenging, but it's a growing experience for me. I'm growing more than I have. I feel like I'm becoming in touch with the self. And that kind of takes me back to my work that I do as far as kind of uh, curating this this Mr. Rogers account on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was back around 2016 that I just needed 
honestly, it was some, some care for my own soul. I was feeling very depressed about the state of things in our country and people were being very uncivil. Thank God everybody's civil to each other now again. Uh, but mm. that was, <laughs> that was yeah. Yeah, my, my, my dry uh, sense of humor comes yeah. through again. <laughs> but really good. I, I had read, um, I had read the book, the simple faith of Mr. Rogers by Amy, Amy Hollingsworth. Mm. And I became so fascinated by the intentional, uh, life of discipleship that, that Fred Rogers led. Uh, and it wasn't so much like that I was a Fred Rogers enthusiast as a kid or anything. I know I watched the show and I remember that. But what I didn't realize uh-huh. until I was an adult was how much he had to offer and, and how much oh. that he cultivated this life of becoming the person that he was, that there was a reason Mm. that people that knew him, people that I've talked to now, uh, many of them, I've met a lot of people from uh, the Mr. Rogers neighborhood television show and talked to them and had conversations. And I have found from their words that he was even more Mr. Rogers off the screen than he was on the screen, you know, and he's he's in, in an age where it just seems like, all we can do is uncover people's skeletons in their closets after they're gone. Mm. It seems like he is one that so carefully lived his life and so thoughtfully lived his life and so uh, cultivated that kind of personality that um, would show kindness to everyone and would show hospitality, um, that it was just so beautiful. And it felt like to me, it was something I was lacking. So I started this Mr. Rogers quotes account. I was going to call it Mr. Rogers says, but I ran out of yeah, letters. I was, I, I was, yeah, I was going to so, say that I got to edit that back from the yeah. intro, but yeah. No, yeah. And, and, and don't worry about it because it actually, if you if you type in Mr. Rogers quotes, uh, it, it will come up, you know, mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just started it for myself. I had, I thought, you know, I'm just going to put a quote because I had a number of books from Fred Rogers and I'll just you know, put a quote each day of, of Mr. Rogers, because these things are helping me. He was saying things that were speaking uh-huh. to my heart. And as Fred Rogers would tell many people, uh, he when someone would come up to him and say, uh, you said this and it saved me from that or something, you know, with all these stories. And he would always say back to people, he say, well, that was the Holy Spirit interpreting my words to be what you needed to hear in that oh, moment. Wow. And so in many ways, oh my gosh. yeah, I, and I felt like when I was reading and watching documentaries about him and, and just kind of taking in the things that he said, I felt exactly that way, that the credit that he attributed that I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart, still is through through the uh-huh. many quotes and sayings and the work that Fred Rogers did. So somehow now I have like the biggest Mr. Rogers presence, I think, on the Internet. Yes, you do. <laughs> I'm pretty point. sure you do, my friend. Um, yep. and, it, and it literally, I feel like it's some of the best work I've ever done, and I literally am just posting things that Mr. Rogers said, you know, and, and people are, I think, so hungry for that kind of, uh, intentionality, that kind of kindness that is genuine. Uh, it's it's an authentic faith, but it's not a faith that is so preachy. You know, it's it's not one that says you have to yeah. believe the way I believe. It's it's one that says who you are and the person that you were made to be is the person that I like. You know, when he, yeah. when he says it's you, I like exactly as you are. Uh, he would tell us that doesn't mean that there's not room for growth and even that we shouldn't strive for growth because he was very much about that. But when it comes down to it, when we get to that 
that true inner self, not the shadow self that if we're using like uh, psychological mm-hmm. terms, yeah. but, but that yeah. true, that true self that we are. He, he's, he's saying, I think in the way that God tells us that I like you <laughs> as you are, you don't, you don't have yeah. to be anything else in you. There's, there's nobody else in the whole world that is exactly like you are. So, uh, so that long and, and rambling explanation into some of my backstory, uh, that's that's how I got to the Mister Rogers say. So, what was the question? I- yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. It's perfect. I mean, you're. I I love it. Everything of what you said. It really. I mean, well, first of all, the first thing I was going to ask about was the Mister Rogers stuff. Hmm. So you just walked us right into that. So Great. thank you. I'm glad. Um, just. <laughs> But I, I just want to say thank you again and again and again for that account because it it did minister to me mm. in ways that I know you and I have talked about yeah. before um, and that I wrote about in mm-hmm. the book. But those quotes and just those reminders of what he said, oh my gosh, they're just so so helpful and healing and it always feels like i mean like you were saying like the holy spirit is just you know translating it or communicating in a way for us to hear Mm -hmm. in that moment i mean like that's really it really is a gift that you keep offering these words to us because they meet us in a season that i think we desperately need them Wow. Well, I'm I'm so glad to hear that it's being received that way because um, I, I I still receive from it each day. I feel like when I will post something he said, and I'm and I'm still finding things I didn't know were out there. There's there's old mm. books that haven't been published. There's archives that things have not been released, and uh, so every now and then I'll I'll come across a new gem, and and I'm like, wow, you know, Mister Rogers talked about you know, machine guns and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like in, in a way that like the way that we're violent against each other and the way that that's not how it's supposed to be. And, um, like I, I didn't know. Did he say that on the show? I don't know. I don't think he did. But yeah, there's there's all these gems. So it's Bro. it's a it's evergreen. Let me put it that way. No, and, it is. Yeah. And, and I just think when you have something true, um, the truth, yeah. the truth does not. Um, it doesn't have an expiration date. So even though he's been gone for many years, the life that he lived, the way that he lived it, and the things that he was very intentional about saying, um, he he intended to say them the way that they were said. And I, I think there's something oh. beautiful about that. We tend to overlook the power of, of a what many would just call a children's entertainer. And yet he took it so to heart that that this was part of the, the proper formation of, of young people to become the adults that they're going to be. And he took it so to heart that that was his calling in life. So. Mm. Yeah, gosh. Well, yeah. as we know, it doesn't, you know, his work is not just informed kids, but it meets us as adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know watching back through the episodes with my own kids, when we had like Wednesday night, Mr. Rogers nights, (laughs) like hearing those, um, going back through those episodes, even, you know, as dated as they were, they still were like, Ooh, I need this now still. And actually I think it was you who posted the little one a day calendar, Mm -hmm. like tear off her. Yeah. We ended up getting that after I saw you posted it, we got Ah, it for the house and our kids, it's like their favorite little thing in the house. Like to just see the new, Mr. Rogers quote each day has been like, oh, it's so, so sweet. That's terrific. Well, I'm glad you got a hold of that because I use mine every day too. Uh, Matter of fact, I think I forgot to tear it off this morning. So that's something to look forward to when I get home, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's awesome. Mm. I love that. And and you said the whole time you were talking, I was thinking the word genuine, right? And you ended up referencing that. But I, I think there is something there to to learn from, even as people who say, okay, we're trying to live out a faith or something, right? That that he was so intentional about everything he did, but as you said, wasn't super preachy, wasn't like, you know, I don't know, just, just the way that his presence and his intentionality and the way that that has sustained and lasted and is evergreen, as opposed to maybe uh, a lot of what we see where it's like, can I have the loudest voice that's, you know, always up in arms about things and like that kind of, mm. you know, faith kind of speaking or whatever, right? Like, I don't know, I think there's something to the impact and the longevity and the way that that, that impacts people that is probably worth a lot of us pausing and looking at and saying, oh, we don't, it doesn't have to be like the most out there, you know, biggest, I don't know, just that's so, it's so different maybe than the typical way that maybe we approach, you know, how can I change things or influence things, you know, because he was mm. such calm, mm. present, you know, I don't know. I just think there's something there to, to pause and reflect on maybe even, even for, you know, myself, you know, thinking about the way that I, I influence things. Yeah, and and you're right. And it is it okay if I talk just a little bit about like some of the things he did that were truly intentional yeah. that I think could benefit all of us. Yes, um, please. I, I'm not yes. sure everybody yeah. realizes this, but he really disliked television like a lot. Like he mm-hmm. he actually used he used the word hate. I hated it so, you know, is what he said. He said, that's why I got into television because I hated it so. And it it breaks my heart just a little bit because I think he was referring to the Three Stooges when he said that. And I'm kind of a Three Stooges fan from from way back. But what what he was talking about was, you know, he, he said he would just see people you know, hitting each other and getting hit with pies in the face and things like that, uh, which, you know, as, as a kid, that kind of slapstick humor sometimes really appeals to you. It just, it makes silly fun. But he looked at that and he, he thought, what a terrible message to be sending, you know, over the airways when we could be using it uh, to send such good out. And so he, he literally made like his goal to offer something different, hoping to change the conversation, hoping to change the way that the medium was even used okay. in a lot of ways. And and there weren't just like an abundance of children's shows like there are now. So so that's one thing that just his vision, you know, for doing a, a children's show that actually taught people and then dealt with difficult subjects. Uh, I yeah. mean, I mean, from the very oh first gosh, episode, yeah. he was dealing with the Vietnam War, you know, and it was in mm-hmm. subtle ways. But, you know, in the, the land of make-believe, when he would go there, uh, he was talking about things that were happening in real life and helping children and I think adults, too, to use their imaginations to oh, think through that. ways that we could do things better. How could we do things better than resort to violence and uh, hurting other people? But as far as the, the way that he was so intentional about that, I, I think he had to be in order to keep up the pace that he did. Um, he would was a man that went to bed early every night, I think around mm-hmm. 8 o'clock, 8.30, because in the morning at about five, he would wake up and he would begin his prayer time. Uh, he would do his Bible study. He would he would uh, begin to write letters because he wrote back to every uh, person that wrote to him. You know, every child, oh, which wow. it's oh it's amazing. Gosh. Because from time to time on that Twitter account, I will ask a question. I say, "How many of you got a letter back?" You know, from Fred Rogers, if if you wrote one, and I've I've never had anybody say. Uh, no, he never wrote me back. All mostly people will st- then start posting pictures of this letter that they got from oh, him that had a wow. personal message. Um, oh. So as far as I know, 
I have never read anything or seen anything that contradicted the fact that he replied to every single correspondence he ever received in some way or another, which is just, I mean, the man needs like some kind of an award just for that. I like, mm. I, I have trouble responding to email, but he would send like real mm. typed or handwritten letters back to people. So that was part of his morning routine. And then uh, he would go then to work out, which for him was swimming. And it was part of his prayer exercise, though. He, he was friends with Henri Nouwen. And, uh-huh. and, and Nouwen taught him this prayer that was from the Taizé community. And I, I would get the, the, the language in its actual tongue messed up if I tried to say it. But it came to the equivalent of he would sing, uh, you know, glory to God in the highest as he would dive into the water each morning. And it was as if, uh, I think it was Tom Junod who, who wrote about it that talked about it. it was as if he was rebaptizing himself every morning when he would dive into oh, the pool. Wow. Oh, and, I love that. Yeah, so that was that was very much a part of his daily routine, and and he said he didn't always feel like it, but he promised himself he would do it. So he he dove in. So even that was sort of a, a disciplined, uh, I think, part of his discipleship in some ways. You know, keeping physically fit, keeping up mm-hmm. with that. And then the amazing thing is, as we know, uh, those that have followed him for a while, that he weighed in at 143 pounds for uh-huh. most of his life. Yep. And yep. in his in his numerology, you know, one, four, three, one being I, four being how many letters are in the word love, and then you uh, has three letters, so one, four, three meant I love you. So he, he literally kept himself at that weight because he wanted to be the embodiment of I love mm-hmm. you to people, which yep. is unreal. I, I can't uh. imagine trying to, to be uh, set at that weight. But then yeah. he would no, leave. I love it. He'd leave and the, the one, four, three, just as a quick PS. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> Robert and I, when we were, when I had the episode for the soul of the helper, uh-huh. I was like, please, can we have it be episode 143? <laughs> like we actually yeah, we rearranged scheduled the schedule, it. Yeah. To Perfect. make sure that it was 143 for that oh, uh, or for that book, yeah, that's so terrific. Yeah, so mm-hmm. terrific. Well, and and that's that's wonderful. And my wife and I, we still send messages to each other every day, and and we don't do it just at 143. It so often happens, and I don't know why. When I look at my watch or when I look at my phone, uh-huh. it's it's 43 yep. minutes into the hour, and I and it's yep. it's weird. But whenever it's that way, and my wife or I see 43 at the end, we will. We'll send that time just in a text message throughout our busy oh. day, uh, just as a reminder. And so I, I really like it that that it helps us remember, you know, love you. That's an important thing for us in our life. A good message to send. But you know, just to finish up, uh, kind of his daily routine before mm-hmm. he. This is all before he would go into the studio to record the show. He's already got wow. more in his day than most of us do, and then. Um, it's it's said that he would pray this prayer, something to the extent of God, please let a word that is heard be yours today, as he would walk through the studio doors. And that was sort mm. of his reflective prayer that he would go in on, hoping that what he was sharing uh, would actually be a word from the Lord more than anything else, not in a way that he was preaching a sermon, but just simply by the way he was living and by the way he was broadcasting that people would see and hear from the Lord in those moments and see beyond him. And then, uh, as we, as we know, also he wrote all the episodes. So that takes a lot of time. Uh, he, he would be in the episodes, uh, and then he'd go home and spend some time with his family. And every night he was in bed again by like eight o'clock and he didn't watch a lot of TV. Uh, so he was just a very intentional person in all of his life. So he, he really 
inspired me. That's probably why I still am, am getting up early before work to work out and, mm-hmm. and things and try to have some prayer time through blurry eyes because uh, it's I'm realizing that the discipline helps me in all the things that I'm doing. If I don't have some sort of intentionality, they won't get done. Yeah, no, that's so, so good. I love hearing about, you know, what his daily rhythms look like and going back to what, you know, we were talking about even just before that, that like so much of what he was doing is this sense of this quiet, contemplative, you know, it's not for the loud, but it's that steady showing up one day at a time process, Hmm. which I think we all can benefit from those reminders that like sometimes that that quiet work you know it may not get the applause or the likes or the you know the engagement or whatever but you know but it's stewarding what's ours to do Mm -hmm. and just continuing that process quietly and contemplatively and you know and and trusting that to be enough i think if that makes sense so yeah yeah i was thinking about that when you were talking about him trying to keep his weight right around 143 and i thought that's an incredible amount of dedication and ongoing pursuit of something that, I mean, how many people would ever know that realistically, right? Like he's not on TV going, look, here's my weight or, you know, (laughs) but that like just that, that still, that's so uh, maybe uh, such a demonstration of the the commitment to something that isn't a huge public whatever, but that is him trying to embody something that he believes in. And that, I mean, that, that, I think speaks to to what we're talking about of kind of just the genuine nature and like intentionality, um, just like in his, his everyday life too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. Sorry. Were you just going to say something? No, no, I'm just listening. You're, you're both saying such good things. I'm just trying to hear you. Yeah. Well, well, likewise. Uh, well, I do want to make sure, you know, I do want to talk about, um, a couple other big things that you do throughout your days <laughs> that I think would certainly benefit our listeners. And I, I really love that we've focused so much on Mr. Rogers. And I know we could probably have like truly a whole episode just on <laughs> Mr. Rogers, um, yeah. you know, but I would love to hear you talk a little bit about your music, which is yeah. another thing that you offer to us. And so if you, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey into um being a musician. We'll start there. All right. Well, thanks for giving me a chance to share about that. Um, Yeah. I I would say everything I have have done in my life as an adult has somehow revolved around music. Even when I start one job thinking it's one thing, it turns out music ends up playing a part in it. Um, The the example I'll give was when I actually moved here to Ohio, um, I took a position at a church as as just a full-time youth pastor, um, not thinking I was going to be doing anything with music, loving music, wanting to do mm-hmm. music. And then our music pastor left and they needed somebody to do music. And then that turned into, whoa, you can do music? Let's have you keep doing it, you know, type thing. So it was, mm-hmm. it's, it was, it's, it has always been in everything I do, even right now as, as a hospital chaplain. Um, I, I just released a few months ago a song that was up for Grammy consideration, actually. Uh, the Grammys. Oh, wow. Really? Last night, whenever we were recording, the Grammys were on. And uh, I mean, I didn't make it that far in the round, but it was, it was mm-hmm. available for people to uh, be oh. able to vote on, which was, was kind of a, a, an awesome thing. Um, but like, even as my work as a chaplain, the, the song that I wrote that's about 
my experience uh, in doing chaplaincy work. It's called As I Walk These Halls. And yeah. I've had mm-hmm. so, so much response to that song. And I, and I find that no matter where I am, for whatever reason, uh, music is a part of the calling. So sometimes it's on a big stage somewhere. And, and I, I've had the opportunity to play at some wonderful venues over the years, like, you know, places like the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, which mm. have just been, you know, like dreams come true um, or national worship leader conferences. But then I'm also in, you know, tiny churches or a little coffee shop. And uh, and sometimes these days I'm, I'm just in a hospital room with a patient that, um, really we're having trouble communicating with but for some reason music can speak to them sometimes in ways that maybe just our words can't and and it can sometimes be a healing and restorative process so maybe it's just me and a patient Um, i've had times where these days music for me looks like helping a person pass from one side of eternity to another while i just sing songs to him you know um and and sing songs of welcome that the lord is calling him home you know and um so i've done a lot in my i guess i want to say career as a musician i've released a lot of albums Uh, most of them are are faith-based songs in some way or another they're often songs about testimony the album that i did a few years ago called Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. Uh, I, I got to work with Lifeway Worship on that one, and uh, they produced it and published all the music, but it gave me a chance to uh, not only do new arrangements of, of hymns that were important to me, but most of the album was songs that I had written that are very much in a hymn-like style um, and, and that were hopefully trying to communicate timeless messages again to the church with with music that feels a little more modern and contemporary. Uh, So I've done a lot of different things uh, in music over the years, but I just never know where God's going to take me. Uh, I I honestly, if you would have said to me 10 years ago, you're going to be a chaplain in a hospital one day, I would have kind of like, what? I'm a musician. I I go out and do concerts. Why would I be in a hospital? Um, And yet here I am sitting literally as we're recording right now. I'm in one of our break areas at the hospital um, recording with you guys today, which is wonderful. Um, Mm. So I don't know what to tell you about my music other than I hope you'll, I hope you'll listen to it. I will say to our listeners, I hope they listen to it. I have spent some time listening to it. Mm. And Rick, it's gorgeous. It's oh. beautiful. And in fact, as I listen to your song, as I walk these halls that you mm-hmm. just talked about earlier, yeah. I was in tears because oh, it's so beautiful. Mm. I mean, it is the lyrics. The music is beautiful. But those lyrics are so powerful. Mm. Like, I mean, oh, just thinking about it. So I would, I mean, I I first really do want to encourage our listeners, like, feel free to pause the show right now and go hop (laughs) over on whatever you listen to music with. Go listen to that song and Mm. then come back when you're done. Um, but as I I'm think gonna, about, in the editing, I'm just going to drop the entire song straight in the That's middle. Awesome. Yeah. There that you would, go. There that you would go. be fine. Drop it in right here. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, but as I think about the song and the lyrics, I realized, you know, not only were they, you know, beautiful and moving for me, but I also think about our listeners who are, um, who tend to be a mixture of faith leaders, mental health care providers, those who love someone with mental health struggles or who are personally navigating that. But certainly those faith leaders and mental health care providers like this song. This is a 
this is a pretty, I feel like this song is like for them. Certainly mm. Chaplin's mm -hmm. because that's, I mean, it's obvious that you, that that is heavily inspired, like your chaplaincy heavily inspired this song. But, but tell us more about this song. Like, I, I mean, yeah, tell us more about the song and like right. what inspired you to write it and all yeah. of that. Well, what inspired me to write it was I was doing, uh, before I started my residency here as a chaplain for this year at the hospital, uh, last summer I did uh, an internship, which was a full-time 40-hour-a-week internship unpaid at the hospital, uh, which, oh, which, is, yeah. a, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah. Like yeah. They, yeah. They, said, they said either you're going to uh, keep wanting to do this when you're done or you will hate it and never come back to it, you know, at the end of the summer. Mm. And they were right. It's a, it's a very, when they say intensive, they are not lying. It, it's an intense process. And, and if you've never done any kind of work as a chaplain before, you really don't know what to expect. And I, I came in, the, the phrase I like to use again and again is from a line from one of Rich Mullins's songs called Hard to Get. And uh, it says, he says, I'm lost enough to let myself be led. <laughs> and, and that really was, was what it felt like walking into this work as a chaplain. I had no clue what a chaplain did. I mean, I have been on uh -huh. countless hospital visits as a pastor, as an associate pastor, I should say, uh, to uh -huh. visit people in my church. But I did not know what chaplains did, really. And I didn't realize it was a ministry of presence. It was a ministry of really doing a lot more listening than anything else and helping people discover meaning and find uh, spiritual resources that they already have, but they may not realize it, you know, that, that God has given us these resources. And if we can just kind of help them by listening to their story, uh, by helping them be seen, there is such a healing and restorative side to that, to people that find a way uh, to be heard because we so often are not heard. So the song came about at the end of one of my overnight shifts and I was waiting on the other chaplains to come in one morning because what we'll do is sort of a handoff. Uh, any person that has the overnight on call, you're at the hospital all night by yourself. And so anything that comes up between about three different hospitals, you're the one, you know, that you oh, have to wow. go to. It. So, oh my gosh. So you're pretty weary in the morning most times because you get a little bit of sleep in the sleep room if you can, but oftentimes you're, you're interrupted throughout the night by various things. Matter of fact, I was going to say if my pager goes off, I, I don't have to leave because someone else is getting it, but oh, you could likely yeah. hear a pager go off right now. Yeah. So I keep a guitar in the office here in the hospital and at the end of my shift, I was just waiting and I had finished with my work and I just started having kind of a, a tune go through my head. And for some reason, as I walked these halls were, were the words that just come coming back to me. And uh, so I sat down with the guitar and I took my phone and I just recorded a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then I took a pad of paper and just started writing some of my feelings like what what is it exactly that I'm doing as I walk these halls? So the words started coming pretty quick. And so before the end of that day, I actually went to play a concert after I left that day in a different part of Ohio where I live. And the night before the concert, as I'm staying at the, the room that was provided for me, I just finished up the song. So, oh, um, wow. so walking through the doorways, uh, moving down the halls, um, praying with each step I take in these hospital walls, um, being quick to listen, slow in what I say. And then here's the Fred Rogers part of it. God, please let a word that's heard come from you today. You know, that was very much inspired oh, by boy. Mr. Rogers. Um, yes. 
and then the just the line that you know i wonder where will you be found today um in the healing of the sinner in the suffering of a saint and then the the chorus of the song just so you you know if if you haven't heard it it's uh, every soul that I will meet today is a soul that Christ adores. Every living human document is a letter from the Lord. And that, that phrase, the living human document, is very much one that people who have been in a, a CPE program will recognize. By the way, I just looked at the clock. It's 10.43 right now. So uh, as we're talking. <laughs> um, but, but that idea of each person being a living human document and and I really like to to call them letters from the Lord that's kind of my my summation of that in the song uh, is is that really every person has something so important that we need to hear from them in their life and not everybody has people who are listening not everybody has people who are looking and watching and and I just find that if if we can take time, to give that kind of a bow to another human being that you can really unlock not only sometimes healing resources in them, but sometimes their heart can be healed in many ways because Mm -hmm. maybe we haven't uh, been very good at, at hearing people. We're always making noise. And as a musician, it was, it's an interesting thing to try to write a song about a, a line of work that is, um, mostly listening <laughs> mm-hmm. and to try to write a song about that. But then the, the crux of the song is give me eyes to see the holy ground I'm on as I walk these halls. Um, and, and so one, one theme that is in chaplaincy and I, I think in ministry and music, whatever kind of ministry we do, they asked me a very important question uh, when I was being interviewed for the CPE program. They asked, do you hope people will see Jesus in you? Or do you want to see Jesus in people? And and I first thought, well, you know, I want I want Jesus to be seen in me, of course. Who wouldn't want, you know, <laughs> who wouldn't want Christ to be seen in you? And then they, they said, well, I want you to think about that, though. He said, is that the call? And, and I was like, well, I mean, can it be both? He said, well, it can, but where you're focusing makes a whole lot of difference in how you do your ministry. And oh and, and, and they said, yeah. think think about Matthew 25, where where there's this you know parable of of you know uh, the end times and the sheep are separated from the goats. And the phrase that keeps going is, "Whatever you did to these people, the least of these, you were doing it to me," as if to say, you need to be having eyes to look at those people around you because those are me. You know, you're, you're going to find me in those other people, especially in suffering people. And then they said, it's, it's much less important that that person see Jesus in you than it is that you are finding Jesus in them, you know? And, and I, I thought, wow, that's, that's rocking my whole world of ministry for probably 20 years now. <laughs> um, just, just that slight change in perspective. And I think that's what I was trying to get across in the song as well you know, to give us eyes to see the holy ground we're on as we walk these halls. Um, it's hard some days to, to, to look at that person. You know, sometimes you walk into a room and you don't know what to expect on the other side of the door. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're screaming at mm-hmm. you or they're throwing things and, and you're going, oh, look at look at Jesus screaming at me right now. You know? <laughs> it's, oh, it's like, yeah. But, but yeah. the whole idea is there, there's something underneath that that's causing that's right. disruption in that person's life. And if we get back to the basics, 
flipping it all back around to the Fred Rogers conversation again, where he says, I like you exactly as you are. Yes. There's something underneath all that anxiety. There's something underneath where that person is that's going to reveal the true them, something that's making them feel unsafe right now that if we can get to the bottom of, it's going to help them uncover that peace. And we're going to find the Lord in those suffering places that are difficult. So, um, I don't know if that answered everything about the song particularly. I know it kind of went. Oh my went, gosh. Are you it, kidding me? But, you went above and beyond <laughs> with. That was beautiful. But yeah. But it, I, I guess I would just add, I, I'm, I am always so grateful when anyone seeks out my music because I, um, it, it is my first love. And for many years I have been a traveling touring musician. And, and when that all dried up with the pandemic, I even wondered like, well, am I done? Am I not? a musician anymore you know my identity was so much wrapped up in that and when I wrote that song and then recorded it because I did it all at my house except I had a friend add drums in (laughs) so like I played all the instruments and and everything and it just turned out so well and it I shouldn't have had time to even do it because I was in the middle of this intensive summer program when I wrote it and recorded it Um, Uh but it was almost like for me a message from God like hold on you're not you're not done with music. I'm I'm teaching you some things right now, and you're learning some new things, but you've got to be patient in the midst of this process. And so, oh. I don't know what the Lord is birthing in me, but um, I'm growing so much, and I'm learning so much, and I feel like I'm being formed and reformed and born again, again, all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> in this work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, anytime somebody seeks out my music, and and I've I've had just to speak of that one song again, as I walk these halls and wrapping up this long thing that I'm saying, um, I have had a number of people in the hospital. I I don't walk around and tell people, um, you know, Hey, I'm a musician. Check out my music on Spotify (laughs) when I'm walking down the halls. Yeah. (laughs) But, but on occasion it'll just come up in conversation. Somebody asks, you know, do you do something outside of the hospital? And, from me, like telling one person, like, well, yeah, I'm, you know, you can look it up on Spotify. From then, I've had people come, oh, you did that song. That's, that's what I do as a nurse every day. I feel like that's my, you know, and then I shared oh. it with this person. This person doesn't even believe in God and they're listening to it and they're going, no, that's what I do, you know, like, um, and so oh. I've had a number of people that have just kind of by word of mouth now, like, oh, it's the guy that does music, you know, <laughs> walking down. That's so, awesome. <laughs> um, so there's, there's something to that. That's not my primary job when I'm here at the hospital, but it is nice that, again, it's somehow being incorporated. We have to be our true selves wherever we are. And for whatever reason, um, music is is a side of me. I thought it was being put on the back burner, and yet it seems like I'm doing it more than I ever have. I'm just doing hmm. it in other ways. Yeah. I was going to I was gonna comment about maybe the, the holistic nature there, right, like you just mentioned, because I was thinking, Okay, some of these things, you know, in the beginning, we even joked, oh, it sounds like you do a bunch of different things, which is mm-hmm. true. But also, uh, we were just talking about that song and writing it, which obviously it's it's heavily influenced and inspired by the hospital chaplaincy. And then there's even a line in there that's directly inspired by Mr. Rogers. So just the holistic nature of all these things that seem mm-hmm. so different, but that are working together and and. Uh, informing each other in ways that actually make each one of them better, right? Like you, mm-hmm. the, you wrote this song that came from uh, the chaplaincy, right? So like that's influencing that and and giving idea, and then I don't know, just that that the cool way that that those stories are weaving all together in you is mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just so cool. 
Hmm. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, it's and and I apologize. I feel like I have talked so much uh, today. Um, so no, please don't apologize, Rick. This is what this is why we we brought you. Yeah, on. you're the gift. Yeah, we wanted to hear <laughs> yeah. you talk. Well, thank like, you. That's, yeah, no, and yeah. and you you're you're such a gifted storyteller, and how all these things come together. So mm. please set any apology aside because well, it is completely unnecessary all right well I'll, i i received that thank you for <laughs> i i uh mm. i don't want to dominate because i want this to actually be a conversation no. with you guys too but you are the guest i'm having you so much guest. fun i appreciate good. it good yeah good. And, and then we go quiet. Robert, <laughs> no, sorry, yeah. I thought Robert was going to. I thought Robert was going to bring in the next question. Uh, sorry. Yeah. We, no. That, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, uh, Robert. Yeah, I was going to ask about the chaplaincy, right? I mean, that's such a a specific and and from the outside, right? That sounds like such a, a hard a hard role to play. And and I get that maybe I don't know. People say that about being a therapist too sometimes, right? And I'm always like, mm. eh, you know. But what what inspired you to move into that, knowing that it's a ton of work? It's it it is you know like you said, lots of unpaid internships. The, I mean, yeah. you're learning a bunch, and and then you're like you said right now, you know, you could get a, a beeper and it could go off, right? Like mm-hmm. knowing all of that, what I don't know what drew you to that, and and what kind of keeps you going in that. I'll say this: if I had known how hard it was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I did. That doesn't mean I'm. I'm not glad I'm here. Um, but honestly, how it all started for me was uh, not this past summer, but the summer before. I got an email that I considered just to be a junk email, and in that junk email, the it was like a jobs, you know, we're looking for chaplains, you know, type thing. But it was other things too, like you know, construction workers. It was just every job you can imagine. I don't mm-hmm. even know how I got on the list. It was one of those like mystery things. Like what did I apply? Did I even want this email to start with? So I don't even know where the email came from, <laughs> but chaplaincy was one of the, the jobs on there. And as I'm pushing delete to get rid of the email, as I do just about every day with things clogging up my inbox, the word chaplaincy just like kept coming back to me. And I did not know why. Um, I, it was to the point where I was having trouble sleeping at night and I'm thinking about, oh wow, like what yeah. is, what is chaplaincy? Am I supposed to look into this for some reason? So I, I, I went and did an internet search. This is how Loyola came about. Not even, not even thinking about my friend, David Dalt, who teaches it at Loyola in their, uh, pastoral studies department. Um, I just was like chaplaincy, you know, like, what do you have to do to be a chaplain? And the first thing that came up in the search was Loyola university Institute of pastoral oh, studies wow. because they had a program for like chaplaincy. And I thought, Hmm, I know somebody at Loyola. I guess I ought to call and talk to him. <laughs> so I, I, I really didn't think a lot of it other than I just probably should search this out. Something's on my mind. I called David and talked to him. And after probably 40 minutes of just kind of catching up, sharing what was going on, he said, I think this might be something God is speaking to you about. He said, do you think you could apply to our program and see if you get in? You know, and I I was like, well, I guess. I mean, I went to college 20 years ago. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I haven't wanted to go back to school, but I guess I could try. So I, I went in not knowing like i'm i'm still at this point ignorant as to what even a chaplain does i'm trying to get information but i don't know you're um, learning yeah you're so, learning. yeah yes. i was learning and so i as i said before i applied i got in 
I went to tears because I was terrified. I've, I honestly, I didn't think I could do it. I don't, I don't feel like I'm the greatest student in the world. I'm finding I'm pretty good at it, but I don't love it. You know, it's kind of one of those, those things. It's like, I thought my school days were behind me. Um, to, to, to the point that, you know, uh, when I had my first class, uh, and it was online, I was, I was literally like almost having a panic attack before the class began because I'm like, what am I doing? I'm spending, and, and it was so much money. Like it's, I know school is expensive, but Loyola is really expensive. Uh, at least, at least for me. Um, and just going into that and from the first class, like the professor put me so at ease and, and even in the words that were said was, you know, we are here because we believe you are sensing a call from God in your life. And more than anything, more than academia, more than making you this good student, we want to help you kind of sort out what God is doing in your life and what God is speaking to you about, which was amazing. Class, wow. class one, yeah. you know, the, the dean yeah. of the department was teaching and I just felt that. So I went in and, uh, and struggled through those classes, but was really enjoying what I was learning. Then the CPE opportunity, uh, clinical pastoral education came up because I had to have uh, four units of CPE to graduate from Loyola's program. I didn't know mm. even what CPE was, even to the point when I mm. was being interviewed for CPE, <laughs> because they said, do you have any questions? And I was like, yeah, what is C- <laughs> What is this? I don't even know what this is. <laughs> and they and they just basically were like, well, you're going to find out, you know? So, um, yeah. and, and, and I did, and boy, was it a baptism by fire. What a, what a amazing difficult, hard, wonderful, like it, it, every adjective you could use about it is all in one. And, mm-hmm. and yet, as I started doing it and started working in the hospital, especially, I, th- I started finding, you know what, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this, you know, um, the hours yeah. are long. And at that time, I wasn't being paid anything and was driving, you know, 45 minutes every day to get to my job and 45 minutes back home was a real, it was a real burden in some ways. And yet, like going through that, I was discovering, wow, this is this is something I cannot get, deny that God is doing in my heart. And then they offered me the residency program, um, which is paid, thankfully, because I, I, I couldn't have kept doing it at the, the pace I was doing without at least some compensation in life. Yeah. Um, but then even that has just been part of the amazing story, because what I'm getting paid this year is about what I think I'm going to need to finish my degree through Loyola. So it's kind of like God uh-huh. just providing again in the midst of all that. So yeah. all that is to say, if I had known in advance what it was going to require, I don't know that I would have gotten into it. I would have been too scared. But being that I have been ignorant along the way, <laughs> I think I think <laughs> God has just kept me in the dark just enough to make sure I'll keep doing it. And uh and I'm and I'm so grateful for it because it has been transformative in in my life. I think in my family's life and in hopefully many of the people around me. And even the way that I do my church ministry has changed. Uh, I listen differently. I respond yeah. differently. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just grateful to be able to do this good work. Oh, I love that so much. I I love how even just your nod to influence being bi-directional because I know for many of us who are in some kind of helping profession the work we do it does change us mm-hmm. and it shapes us and it and it changes our relationships and um just just molds us in ways that we can never anticipate 
when we're, you know, maybe sitting in the classroom, learning skills and approaches and things like that, we don't realize once we go out there, how much what we're doing shapes Mm. us. So I love how you just nodded to that. That's really good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, we have um, a couple of questions that we like to kind of begin to wrap up our time okay. with. Um, the first one that I want to ask you is in recognition that of all of the things that you do for so many others, Rick, all of these um, these projects and and efforts to serve others in these different areas, which you know, Robert, you know, I nodded to the ways they all integrate, but but there is much that you do. Hmm. So in light of that, what, what is your hope for the work that you're doing? Hmm. I hope that, um, I can continue, uh, to be less, <laughs> man, I don't even know how to answer this question. Uh-huh. That's, a, my, that's, a, that's such a hard one. My hope is that I will continue to be faithful in following God on this journey, wherever it leads. Um, it's, I, I couldn't have even imagined what was in store for me when I started, but it has done something restorative in my life. And in that stepping out in obedience in this way is probably something that I hadn't done in a while. You know, there's something to like responding to that call in your life, this, this, that voice. So if, if I have any hope at all, um, I guess it will be that I'll just keep listening and responding in ways that are honoring to God and, and to those around me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really don't know enough even now to know where this is leading, but I hope that I will be faithful in the midst of all of it. I hope well, that's a decent answer because that's a really uh, hard question. Well, from, a beautiful answer, right? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, another question that we've been asking folks this season as kind of a newer question, I know uh, you were talking about amidst all of this and having read Holly's book and and caring for yourself and all of that, right? So we're curious to hear from people, what's serving your soul right now? Hmm, it's a good question. I want to be transparent enough to say I'm still trying to find a balance in all of this. Um, Yeah. There are days that I'm I'm not sure uh, I'm being fed as much as I need to, and I know I need to take I know I need to take Holly's advice and <laughs> not let the tank <laughs> keep running dry. You know I, I need to let that yeah. be refilled. But I am finding uh, what is helping me a lot. There's a number of wonderful resources that have been I've been pointed to while I've been in chaplaincy. But one book that I just keep coming back to again and again. Uh, because it has not only like, it's almost like a manual for chaplains, but there's also some some really good practical ways of being present um, w- with others. And it's a book called uh, Chaplaincy, a Ministry of Presence. And it has taught me, it, is, it has really helped me to stop each day and pay attention to what what he calls in that book, your stuff, S-T-U-F, which means sensations, thoughts, urges, and feelings. Mm, Um, Learning to stop and even like for a while in the morning there before it became a practice and it was much more mechanical, I would actually stop in my devotional time and just start writing down those things. What are the sensations I'm experiencing? What are my thoughts? Where am I feeling these sensations at today? What's the root of all this? Um, So what is helping me right now 
because the four things that that book emphasizes are things that in my life are kind of feeding me is in order to, to have a ministry of presence, you have to first be present to self. And mm-hmm. then, and only then, after you become present to yourself, can you become present to the capital P presence, the presence, you know, uh, yep. the divine. And then as you become present to the presence, you then can become present to others. And that's where the service part comes in. Yep. And then you can help others become present to the presence. And those are the sort of the, those four things have sort of been what my life has revolved around uh, for many months lately, Um, coming into contact with what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it and where anxiety is coming from. Um, Doing this has actually, and, and I'm not, I'm not kidding about this. I've had to have some difficult conversations and I've had to do some difficult things that I didn't want to do in order for self-care to happen. As yeah. I have done that, I'm a person who suffers from migraines. My migraines haven't completely oh. disappeared, but I've gone yeah. from having them like four days a week to having them like once every two weeks. And oh wow! And and so wow. if if I'm benefiting from anything, I think it's from this kind of of soul care. You know, that's stopping to really pay attention to your stuff, and that is helping me tremendously. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and I do, I do, I do. Normally we don't like follow up on these, but I do want to say thank you. I think that the answer of I'm not sure and I don't know if I'm getting yep. enough, but I'm figuring it out is, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the, I love that because I think that's probably where a lot of people listening yep. are. I, I think that's probably where I am to be honest. You said that and I was like hard mm-hmm. saying, you know, mm-hmm. so yep. I mean, yep. they, you know, just the, the genuineness there is um, appreciated. Mm. Well, thank yes. you very much for that. Yeah, deeply appreciate it. Well, listeners, um, if you would like to connect with Rick, you can find him at rickleejames.com or at rickleejames on Twitter, Mm -hmm. Facebook, and Instagram, or you can check out his music wherever you listen to music. Uh, You can also check out his podcast, Voices in My Head, which I know we didn't get to earlier, but I highly recommend that podcast as well as um, the Welcome to the Neighborhood podcast that we talked about. I think we, yeah, you nodded to it earlier. Yeah, yeah. of course, I highly recommend following along with his work with Mr. Rogers uh, with the quotes through his Mr. Rogers quotes um, account on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and, you know, obviously just just go check out all the good work that he's doing. Uh, we're just so grateful, Rick, um, for all that you do. For um, our listeners, if you want to connect with the podcast, you can um, connect at cxmhpodcast.com or on any social media at cxmhpodcast. You can connect with Robert at robert-bohr.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Robert Bohr. You can connect with me at hollyoxhandler.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at hollyoxhandler. Rick, again, just thank you so much for your presence, uh, your beautiful, genuine answers throughout today's conversation, um, and just for for all that you do. We hmm. really are grateful um, that you joined us today. Wow. Well, thank you for Thank you. I just appreciate the the generous invitation, and uh, thank you for the work that both of you are doing. and And I, I'm just grateful. Thank you for letting me be here oh, with you today. Thank you. Absolutely. Do you? I've. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners or things that you want them to take away from today? 
Yes, and I promise I'll make it fast. I was just going to say about Voices in My Head, the Rickley James podcast, as it's called. um, This I don't know when you're releasing it, but as uh, I think it'll be the 8th of February, we're releasing our 500th episode of that show. Yeah, and I just recorded recorded an episode with a mystery guest who is one of my favorite favorite people and and you're, you're gonna it's it's really exciting I, i'm bursting to tell but i'm not gonna tell oh my uh, just, i don't want to give it away so wait. so oh. that's that's the one of them and uh so that, that's just the main thing i just wanted to, to make note of that because uh, we've been doing that's it for awesome. for a really long time and then one other thing about the mr rogers say thing um on this last friday this was such a cool thing just these neat opportunities that happen um i got i got message from a, a guy named brad Meltzer. I don't know if you've read Brad Meltzer's books or seen oh, Xavier Riddle in the Secret Museum that's on I have, PBS. Okay, I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. And and <laughs> and the many shows. And so he sends me a message saying, "Hey, can you keep a secret? Uh, we've we've got this Mister Rogers book coming out. You know, in in our series of, of books that that's very much with you know Chris uh, Chris." I, I always get his last name wrong. Chris Iopolis, I think is how you say it. Um, but he let me be the first to break the news uh, this last week. He oh, said, you know, if you can cool. can wait. Oh. So he sent me a, a graphic and a link and everything. So that was just one oh. of those fun, rewarding things of like, oh, you know, thank you, God. I'm just yeah. so glad for this opportunity and make a new I'm, friend I'm out of I'm glad Brad. you said so that you already that, got to really announce cool it because I thought... I thought you were saying, he said, hey, yeah, can you keep yeah. a secret? And then no, no, he yeah, came yeah, on and, we, and yeah. said it on the show. Now, yes. uh, yeah, just bro- breaking news right here. No, we, it was announced yeah. over the weekend, but I was just so honored to be able to be the first to – because then I started seeing all these media outlets about an hour later that were starting to report on it. And I was like, oh, wow, I've never That's been awesome. the first to break a story. I'm officially That's so fun. I, I feel like I'm in the New York Times or something reporting, breaking the story. So. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH podcast at gmail.com.